0: Welcome to Sales Cultures Redefined, where we transform people with purpose, income, and a better life. Here's your host, CEO of Sales Managed Solutions, Lance Cooper. Years ago, my grandmother was riding in the car with my mom, who was driving. They were talking and enjoying each other. When my mom turned to her and said, I think we're lost. And my grandmother, not missing a beat, looked around at the landscape, going by and said, it's a good road. Now, while that sounds trite and small to most of you, my grandmother lost a daughter, Helen, at four years old. Later, another daughter died of cancer, and then her husband died, but she remained the same, taking life one day, one moment at a time, and working with a hopeful spirit. My mom, as she neared the last days of her life, she did that with the same attitude as her mom. She spent 70 years as a real estate professional, I remember calling her up on the phone and asking how she was doing. And she quickly replied, well, the cash register ain't rung yet. And it was really yet. Because I know as soon as I hung up the phone, she would be calling a for sales by owner prospect list to introduce herself and ask for a listing. That may be why she often won best listing agent in the company she worked in before she started her own. Oh yeah, and by the way, she only had a high school education and a husband that drank too much on the weekends, and a crook for a partner. But that didn't stop her from opening up her own real estate firm and earning every real estate designation possible. In 1913, a few years before my mother was born, Eleanor Porter wrote a novel and a children's classic entitled Pollyanna. Mrs. Porter describes a girl who plays the glad game, trying to find something to be glad about in every situation. It was so popular, other authors wrote and published 11 more Pollyanna sequels known as glad books. Because of the fame of these books and several adaptations for films, Pollyanna became a byword for someone who, like the title character, has an unfailing optimistic outlook. Today, a subconscious bias toward the positive is often described as the Pollyanna principle. But here's something important to remember. Despite the current common use of the term to mean excessively cheerful, Pollyanna and her father played the glad game as a method of coping with the real difficulties and sorrows that, along with luck and joy, shape every life, just like my grandmother's as she lost her children. Even when General Eisenhower wrote to his troops on D-Day, he was brutally honest with the facts. Yet what he said gave the men at Normandy what they needed to storm the beaches, dying amidst the machine gun fire of waiting Nazis, some surviving to establish a front that eventually freed France and Europe and led to an invasion that won World War II. Here's what Eisenhower said. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hope and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well trained, well equipped, and battle hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940 to 41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats and open battle man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck. And let us beseech the blessing of the Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. 150,000 men received this note prior to storming the beaches at Normandy. The optimism definition that we find from Oxford languages, hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. It's not a glad feeling without the acknowledgement of the situation's brutal facts. It is confidence in a plan that may have been designed by their counselors and in the strengths people possess to execute a plan believed to lead to success around, through, and over the barriers faced. Sales is a profession of failure and unforeseen barriers in the pursuit of goals. Product and competitive change New regulations, rejection, people saying no and then choosing another product or service over yours, customer objections, fears and concerns, and troubles and issues with what you sold them or are trying to sell them. And let's face it, not many people have good thoughts about salespeople. Already your team faces a resistant and suspicious buyer just because they face sales reps. Many who have been dishonest in the past in the various industries that they have met them. And then there are the personal failures and upbringing issues that leave optimism broken in people. It's an important subject. It's important at work, at home, and in the sales arena. Interestingly, one study shows that people with high optimism want low management support. They just want someone to point them, answer their questions, and to allow them to work out their way to goal without extra support. Others, with a lower optimism and maybe a need to be recognized and helped to see more clearly, need much support, encouragement, and direction, and a belief that they have what it takes or that they can get what it takes. Think of optimism as the glasses a person wears. Some are covered with the mud of unbelief. Can't do. It's too hard. No one wants to buy. The problems are bigger than me. The belief I'm not able to figure it out. I'm not skilled enough to find a way through. This could have started early in life during a family divorce or later after experiencing several rejections or failures, and no one helps them process a way around these or into a new attitude that will help them stand and learn to persevere, continue to work hard and figure a new way to gain a new skill, solve a problem or recover from a setback or a momentary failure. Bad events in a person's life can turn into negative self-talk. It's like pessimistic mud building up on the lenses of their glasses through which they see the world and themselves. How they see themselves becomes fixed and global and not true. I'm stupid. I'll never amount to anything. I'm a lousy salesperson. Life sucks. I'm not good under pressure. People do not enjoy me calling on them. No one respects me when I'm around. I don't have what it takes. I'll always have to struggle and live without. How they see themselves hurts their efforts and chances to handle the difficulties of sales and even their lives at home, and they cannot see a positive and changing way forward. Personality research in psychology has repeatedly shown how individual differences— such as the level of one's optimism and the way that people see their capabilities, their self-efficacy, shape their individual response to challenging situations and negative outcomes. For example, Carver, Shire, and Weintraub suggest that optimism has broad, pervasive, beneficial effects on the recovery and quality of life of patients with medical problems. In academic settings, students and individuals with either high dispositional optimism or strong self-confidence tend to be more achievement and mastery-oriented, willing to learn from failure, and willing to persevere at a task longer in an effort to successfully reach their goal. Yes, obviously it's important to recruit optimistic salespeople, but here's the good news. Just by being a different leader, Research shows you can coach the optimism of your people up, and they will perform better for you than for previous coaches who did nothing to help the mental state of their people. Here are seven ways to coach optimism in those who depend on your leadership and influence. Number one, coaching interviews. Set aside an hour to an hour and a half once per month to interview and get to know your people, especially those new to the team. Create and ask open-ended questions like, what are the three most important things in your life in order of priority? What motivates you the most? What can I do for you? Do this to be the best coach for them, to get to know them as individuals and to get to know what they want. And in asking the questions to help them discover their own wants and desires, and roadblocks to success, and what they want from you to help them. Now, there can be a foundational interview at the point of employment, but there also can be a once a month just sit down to ask how they're doing. Number two, sales and income goals. Help each rep set sales and income goals that will help make their lives better. Remember to turn these into team goals and remember that 25% of top salespeople are motivated by competition and recognition and the rest by specific incomes. Many salespeople today sell towards survival goals. Help them connect with the inspiration and motivating reason, the why behind achieving their goals. And by the way, also do this for yourself. Set goals that matter, that are emotional to you because their achievement will provide you and those you love a better life, and do this for your children and your grandchildren. Number three, team vision casting. Be clear with the team about where you want to take them and how they will get there and the rewards. Do this by detailing to them a vision, picture of the past and the future, and how it will be different and better. Use numbers, incomes, sales, customer service in the picture. But also use a description of the new culture, what the experience will be working there, and how they will feel in it. In other words, sell them a picture of the future that they will be led towards. Number four, individual vision casting. Be clear and specific about the success traits and attitudes you see in a person. Tell them what you see them achieving and why. Tell them how these traits, the traits you see in them, will eventually result in sales and the level that they want. Number five, teaching process skills. Teach them how to achieve their goals by helping them learn and master a sales process that you know works. Teach them the process, the steps to success and how to do them and how they benefit them, how they benefit the customer, how to find prospects. Set appointments, handle a face-to-face call or appointment with a prospect, what questions to ask, how to do proposals or presentations, how to handle the six to eight frequently asked fears and concerns or questions they will face, and how to ask people to make a decision. Do this and teach them that these things lead to results. Recognition and praise is number six. Give your people recognition for improvement. When they take just one step in the right direction, praise them for it and tell them why what they did was important. And if they keep doing it will lead to results, especially pay attention to character traits that led to success, hard work, service, taking on responsibility, being on time, being honest, helping other reps, persevering in the face of difficulty, help them build a picture of themselves performing as a top rep. And number seven, tracking. Finally, keep track of individual and team results and the critical activities like appointment levels and closing percentages leading to results. Make these visible. Eventually, teach your people to track and report on their own results, including the critical sales activity levels and closing percentages leading to results. Remember, there is a danger here. Most sales leaders and parents focus and pound on their reps or children for results and not on the character traits, effort, and skill within a process leading to goal achievement. This actually kills optimism and destroys confidence and belief in the abilities to succeed, but still show results or progress toward goal. Do this for them until you can train them to do it for themselves and to report on it themselves. Facts actually help optimism. At the end of the day, optimism is fueled by belief and hope and what a person believes about themselves and the world around them. Much of leadership is helping people sustain hope, teaching them to get better, to be better, to persevere through difficulty. There are not failures only learning experiences, and new moments to live the best life you can forge with hope in spite of the difficulties, the pain, and the suffering. It's all a part of the grand adventure we are on. We can overcome. We can overcome. We can. We will. Now, coach optimism hiring your people by getting to know them as individuals, helping them set inspiring goals, Casting vision into each person's heart and into the heart of the team, teaching the best steps, skills, and habits, and giving them recognition and praise and tracking progress. In these ways, you will help them build realistic confidence in themselves as they take on a difficult life and career. They will then approach the world they travel on, whether lost or found, looking around with clear glasses. And declaring to those they influence that it is still a good road. You have just listened to Sales Cultures Redefined. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and we'll see you at the next episode.